0: howdy everybody and welcome to another bp movie journal the show i do where i talk about the stuff i've seen since the last time i did one of these that's right. It's just me, David. Again, um, fear not Tyler and I are working on coming up with a plan for his return to the, to the movie journal. I don't want to say when it will be or how it will look yet because, um, he's still figuring things out. Um, and, and, uh, uh, I hope to be back chatting about movies uh, that I've seen with Tyler soon, but for now, you still just got to listen to me because I can't not do this. It would drive me insane. Uh, knowing there are movies (laughs) in my brain that I have not talked about into a microphone. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't know how to live with myself. Uh, so let's kick things off. It's been three weeks because two weeks ago, I wasn't here. You remember Tyler uh, did an episode with, with Dave Platt. And then uh, last week I had planned on doing one of these, but you might've noticed the TCM classic film festival wrap up episode went uh, a little long, so I didn't do one last week. So here we go. We're going to talk, but luckily because uh, I already talked about the movies I saw at TCM on that episode. And a lot of movies I watched movies that I watched in preparation for the uh, profile. That's going to be dropping in a few days. Um, I actually don't have that much to talk about because most of what I watched is going to be talked about in other ways. But I did watch some movies. Um so I'm gonna start with a nineteen eighty-four Romanian animated film called Delta Space Mission. Uh and uh th- this was uh recently restored. I think it's it's the first uh Romanian animated feature. Is that uh I I, I could be uh, wrong with that? That seems weird. That they would wait till 1984, but uh, something about that was 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 mentioned. But it's recently been uh restored and uh, it's a lot of, of fun. It, it's um, a, 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 as the name suggests, a science fiction uh m- movie in which a uh, a, in the distant future, some astronauts are off at a space station, um, and a journalist uh, they're working on a a new um, ship or a new computer system for a, a ship or something like experimental, new like you know universe altering stuff. Uh, and a reporter comes to visit them, and and for some reason, almost as soon as she arrives, everything starts going uh, haywire. And um, that's kind of the kickoff of the plot. And then the plot does resolve, uh, you know, an hour and change later, in um, a pretty interesting way. But most of the almost the entirety of the middle section of the movie is just one weird thing after another. The movie kind of has like a, a video game logic, almost like, you know, this reporter and these two, uh, astronaut scientist dudes, um, keep having to face one obstacle after another, you know, there's like, uh, sentient tidal waves (laughs) or whatever is one. And then there's like monsters. And anyway, um, and uh, it really does have this this and then this and then this type of uh uh structure, but it's animated in a very fun uh way. Um sometimes uh sometimes kind of psychedelic way, the way that like the, a lot of these aliens tend to sort of mutate and transform and and you know, things sort of morph into one another. It's it's um and it's it's a it's a delightful watch but there's also for as much as it's like pure action it's also at the same time pure dialogue because it's both things simultaneously because the, the two scientist dudes especially are essentially like calling play by play on everything that's happening um, uh, and so it's yeah it's a, const, a constant dialogue and yet it doesn't really you don't really need most of it it's, it's more interesting to reflect on um Romanian society and the the government of Romania in the mid-1980s and um you know a, a communist government and and the way that these two like scientist dudes like congratulate each other for like properly following protocol <laughs> <laughs> uh is uh, I think speaks to the, the the time and place. But that's Delta Space Mission. Moving on to the unbearable weight of massive talent this is uh you've heard of it this is the movie where nick cage plays himself um a version of of himself uh who gets invited by a very wealthy nick cage superfan played played by patro pedro pascal to uh attend a party at his estate in majorca um and the two get involved in some shenanigans uh and i this kind of thing, like actors playing themselves um, in kind of a winky way has been done to death. You know I mean? Like even, you know, when I wrote my review of Unbearable Weight, I like mentioned extras, but that was 15 years ago or more, you know, it was almost 20 years ago at this point, uh, HBO's extras. Um, And and so there's definitely a little of like been there, done that with, with this. Um, And it's like, the movie itself is a little too much of the, there's a certain kind of, like I love Nicolas Cage as as an actor, but there's a certain kind of like ironic love of Nicolas Cage um, that I think this movie actually traffics in. It doesn't just depict it, kind of traffics in it, uh, it itself. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, a lot of reservations that said Nicolas Cage being the, Actor that he is, uh, you know. However, you might feel about his performances. I, I think he always means them. He always means what he's doing. He means what he's saying, and so he's not going to play. It would be dishonest of him to play the like, you know, Ben Stiller on extras. Like, what if I was Ben Stiller? But I was a huge fucking jerk or whatever. That's he's not playing a version of himself that gives him distance from himself. He's playing a version from himself of himself who has like. You know a different different familial situation than than the room that cage uh currently has but it's closer to himself because i think that's what nick cage finds interesting as an actor and so i think um if you are a nick cage fan um obviously if you're the ironic kind of nick cage fan this movie is made uh exactly for you but even if you're um a true you know honest nick cage fan uh the movie does have that going for it i'll say the The last thing I'll say about it and about Nick Cage is the movie is a reminder. It's interesting to think like the 1980s, you know, what you've got uh, Valley Girl, Peggy Sue Got Married, Raising Arizona, Moonstruck. Like Nick Cage was a comedic actor in the 1980s. And then, uh, you know, I think The Rock was such a huge turning point where he's playing the like comic relief nerd who gets who has to become an action hero and then that happened to him in real life and he became an action hero and i feel like people have largely forgotten how funny he can be unbearable weight of massive talent is at its best when it's just a buddy comedy um in which Nick cage and pedro pascal are both being hilarious especially like there's a part where they uh drop acid together that is uh as as good a like sustained laugh as i as i've had in the theater uh In a while. So, um, it definitely has things to to recommend it, uh, but with heavy asterisks. Uh, And then, what's next? A ton of TCM Fest stuff. Oh, and then, okay, certain listeners, I might need to take a drink of water before I get into this one. There are certain, there are some movies that some listeners of this podcast, I mean, we've been doing this podcast. I almost said I've been doing this podcast. Like, come on. It's still me and Tyler. I want everyone to understand that, by the way, this is still, there's still two hosts of Battleship Retention. Tyler's Tyler is just very busy right now. Um, so anyway, so we've been doing it, you know, this, we've been doing this podcast for 17 years, more than that. Um, and uh, no, sorry, 15 years. I've been living in Los Angeles for 17 years. We didn't start it till 2007. So yeah, 15, a little over 15 years. And um there's some things I've heard multiple times that like, you know, certain movies come up a lot that I like I can't believe you haven't seen this. Uh and so to certain listeners, I want to say, "No, I didn't watch Fury Road. No, I didn't watch Cannonball Run. I'll get to both of those someday. I'm not being a dick by not watching them. I just I had to get to things at my own pace. But I watched Alejandro Hodorowski's The Holy Mountain. And I am sorry to say it is mostly exactly what I expected, which is not a great thing, um, which was kind of a surprise to me because I came to, like, I put this one last. Well, I guess technically I haven't seen Endless Poetry. So technically, I guess I still have that one to go. But, like, I came to, hodorowsky late because i always thought i wouldn't like his stuff it always seemed like hippie shit to me um uh you know like a fish concert or you know things that aren't up my alley um and i came to in a weird way and i i I, like I, i um the first one i ever saw i think was santa sangre which i mean is very like um i mean like that one and um and now I'm drawing a blank on his first one, Fando and Lise, something like that, are both very like Fellini esque. Um, and then, uh, uh, and, I, and I liked both of them just fine. And then I really liked El Topo. Um, I, I, I liked the like psychedelic western. You know that the movie, a movie that is actually uh, just wholly committed to taking place entirely as. Uh, overblown allegory um and then like every uh uh every person that el topo is that the character's name or am i doing the jealous thing anyway um every person that he like squares off with and, and has a duel with or whatever represents some way of thinking that he has to defeat or 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 into, into himself i like el, el, el topo um i think it's the best the holy mountain really does just seem like he got enough money to have some admittedly very startling mise-en-scene there's there's uh, uh, uh a, a lot of uh i can't believe he was able to make that huge set or or get all those extras to to do that like that's definitely uh I- I- impressive um but i find that it's um it's preoccupations the movie's preoccupations about um uh the commodification of human suffering or human love or or like you know of of emotion and experience and and manufacturing those and turning them into uh products to be sold uh is uh again i agree with all of it but it just seems like again hippie shit you know it sounds it, it's it's like i just feel like i want to do like the tommy chong voice you know man uh, um, uh and and uh, there's also way too much for me like stuff that seemed juvenile um the preoccupation with like genitalia and, and stuff like that 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 uh uh, in in a way that, yeah, seemed sophomoric. So I, I I don't I can't say I fully understand why the Holy Mountain seems to be the one that people hold up. Um, because it is I'm pretty sure it's my least favorite. I, although I don't know, I mean, Fando and Lease is so derivative of Fellini that it might lose points just for being unoriginal but it's an original way that's more interesting to me personally um than like seeing a bunch of like people being castrated and all kinds of uh awful stuff in holy mountain okay so moving on to another uh older film that was recently restored uh, from 1979 Stuart bird and deborah Schaefer's the wobblies which is uh has recently been re- restored and is playing places for or, or, or played places um for May Day, for for, for labor. Um, because The Wobblies, if you don't know, refers to the members of the uh, Industrial Workers of the World Union. Uh, and this movie is about, it, like I said, n- 1979. Although this, it's restored so crisply. I don't know how well this thing, it must have been very well preserved. Because this restoration, even on like the compressed like screener file that I watched it on, um, looked so great that I kept forgetting... That these interviews were conducted in the 70s um uh, and then i had to remind myself like oh right they these people have all passed on <laughs> you know i hate to laugh but like um they're old here and the things that they're recalling took place like you know world war one like pre-world war one in some cases um so uh um Anyway, so it's a documentary about the industrial workers of the world and and the, their sort of uh, heyday and the and the uh, heyday of the you know first half of the 20th century labor movement in the U.S. Um, and I say I shouldn't say heyday because it was also a very violent time um, and these people were often uh, singled out and attacked or worse um, for trying to uh, organize workers, but the movie mostly takes a kind of like proto-punk like uh like fuck you you know finger middle finger to the establishment type of uh uh point of view the movie is like even when it's about like harrowing stuff it has this smirk and this sneer like it's it's uh sardonic in a way in a way that i think kind of um predicts where documentaries especially like explainer type documentaries would go now everything has like a uh, a cheeky sense of humor about it and and, you know uses uh archival footage in a somewhat ironic uh and knowing uh way the way this would be does but um you can't blame the movie for what it wrong you know right. uh again to mention jaws again you can't blame jaws for every summer blockbuster uh so that's the wobblies from 1979 uh new film that i am sorry let me let me vamp here <laughs> wait I, I can't vamp and look stuff up um trying to i forgot to check if i'm under embargo for this movie um I don't think we are. I don't think I am. Yeah, there's no mention of an embargo here because the movie's already played places. So, uh, and it's also am only going to say uh, very good things. Um, so, okay, sorry for that. Uh, this is what happens when there's only one person doing this. Uh, next up, uh, a new documentary um, by Emily Madavian, and it's called Bitterbrush and uh it follows two uh women in their in their 20s uh, i I guess who are essentially well i guess it would be binary mean to say cowgirl because they refer to themselves or at least they refer to what they do as cowboying um they are sort of contract workers who get hired for a few months at a time to uh rustle up cattle you know they have a they they Show up. They have a place to stay, or they uh, a trailer to stay in, or in this place. In the, in the case of where they stay for most of this movie, a little cabin. Uh, and their job is like you've got four months, and by the end of that four months, we need, you know, I can't remember what it is six hundred head of cattle um, brought in from from the surrounding country or whatever. And that's just what they do every day. They just go out and get cattle and 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 bring them in. Um, and uh, they are. The the movie so the, the movie is shot I, I see an Idaho license plate at one point so I'm guessing it's somewhere but it you know I think the opening text says like the remotest parts of the West or whatever um, and uh, so the movie is beautiful um, to look at and beautifully shot they spend so much time on horseback uh, and so much of the movie is following them on their on horseback and I kept finding myself wondering. Is there what kind of rig the camera is, is is on because is is the camera person on horseback is the camera person on some sort of other vehicle is the camera person holding some sort of steady cam rig or something that gets the camera up to like person on horseback level? I kept finding myself wondering what their uh how they shot the movie but um at least those those sequences uh because it's very uh impressive stuff and also these two um uh holland and coley are their names which is so funny like those are not (laughs) i found myself laughing that like um their names are not you know conventional names holland and coley uh and yet their horses are named like isaac and marilyn like (laughs) Regular names. I, I thought that I. I don't think that was intentional, but I found that funny. But anyway, they are fantastic documentary subjects because they're because of I think the remote nature of what they do, um, and it, it maybe we think I, I tend to think that everyone in this really even in my generation, you know, geriatric millennials, um, but certainly everyone in the younger generation is so naturally used to being on a camera on, on camera. That's what I tend to think, but there's something almost charming about how self-conscious Holland and Coley are at the beginning of the movie. Like I said, it's like a four month job. So I'm guessing Emily Medavian was with them even at every day, but over the course of, of of four months or more, because there's stuff that uh, takes place later after they've left, finished the job. Um, and it's very um, charming and endearing and, and humanistic early on to see them kind of like clearly talking not to the camera, but like for the camera. Or there's one point where, because Holland has like a, a boyfriend, you know, who works at the at the ranch or whatever. And he like uh, gives her like a kiss good morning at one point, And she's like so shy about the camera having seen that. Um, and then to see them just become more, themselves uh you know i've talked endlessly i've talked about how every movie is a documentary of its own making um, i always forget which french new wave person said that but i invoke that all the time and it's literally true uh this case is actually a documentary and you can actually see um these these two women uh become acclimated to being uh on camera uh I really, really appreciate it. I really enjoyed this movie, Bitter Brush. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? colombian movie called los conductos which stars a um i hate saying non-actor because if you're you know if you're starring in a movie you are an actor but a non-professional first-time actor named Luis Felipe Lezano, who used to be a part of a like cult and it, this is in real life he was a part of a cult and and got himself out of it and that with some embellishments, I don't think he murdered anyone or else he probably wouldn't be making the movie. Um, with some embellishments, that's the character he's playing named Pinky in the movie um, is someone who has, when the movie has, when the movie starts, he has just uh, uh, escaped from, from a cult and you get some flashbacks to the cult, but mostly the movie is about this guy trying to in practical ways, trying to figure out how to get, back into normal life, like how to get a job and a place to live and and stuff like that. But it's also about him having to uh, or or trying to recalibrate his view of the world. And I think the thing that's uh, really interesting about Los Conductos um, sorry, which means like tunnels or conduits um, the movie opens with a car driving down down like through a tunnel. Anyway um, that's not important. That's just (laughs) what i learned anyway um the thing that i found most fascinating by it uh, about it is that like the movie is very clear like this cult was bad the cult leader was bad and it's good that pinky is away from the cult but there's also a sense of he's lost something he has a spiritual void now because he believed in this this thing And, and and so while he's like i said trying to find a job and and um uh and whatnot uh he's also i think looking for something to fill that 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 void that something he's looking for religious experiences and so you get uh he finds a job in like a t-shirt factory and um there's you know the you see the the machines working like you see this little, like a cascade of textiles like coming coming down set to like almost like choral music and it's a long shot a lot of the movie is either like a lot of movies long takes um either like zoom like i mentioned zooming down a tunnel or, or 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 with someone in a car or they're just straight ahead like long still takes and there's yeah there's this this one that that where the the very like completely like non uh uh sentient machinery just dumping sheets of text of of fabric uh set to electronic uh music that has this like soaring ecclesiastical feel like it becomes a religious experience or or you know we see the the people screen printing uh um T-shirts, and that starts to take on the properties of like a ritual. Um, uh, so yeah, the the movie is um, it's short, beautiful, and sad at the same time. Uh, Los conductos. All right, and I'm I'm zipping I'm through these. I'm uh, I swear I'm almost done. Uh, oh yeah, so speaking of Hodorovsky, uh, I rewatched Psycho Magic, his most recent film, the 2019 documentary about his own. Uh, like bullshit, pseudoscientific, uh, self-help, uh, thing, which is it's still like fascinating to see. It's he's an interesting guy through through whose eyes to see the world. I don't know. Um, that's probably not uh not right. Uh, but I can't help like I feel bad for these people that he's helping. You know, like uh, he helps a guy <laughs> this guy who has. Uh, a a stutter and 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 horowski uh becomes tells him like the reason you have a stutter is because you have a case of arrested development you still think you're twelve years old and and, and you can't grow up and so he like to let to free the kid in him he takes him to Euro Disney and dresses him up like i mean like uh like a kid in the 1930s you know like the floppy hat and and the and the like blue like short shorts and and uh uh ribbon tied around his neck and and he's like holding a giant lollipop and like running through euro disney and like the guy by the end it seems to have helped his 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 stutter, but. Um, you wonder, I mean, how much of that is just power of suggestion, how much of that will, will wear off. I as occasionally very like fascinating as the movie is, I still find it kind of unethical. Uh all right. Moving on. Sorry. To um Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I like that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but I like uh, I I like the title. There's um, plenty about this movie that I also like, but also plenty that I don't. It's um uh it first off, it has that bad like Marvel sense of humor where it's not actually jokes, it's just like quippy delivery and 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 rhythms but there's not actually jokes in it uh and that stuff drives me crazy and there's so much of that um i'm not nuts about any of 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 that it feels like it's checking boxes you know there's these are all like standard marvel Marvel complaints it's it's not actually funny it feels like it's checking boxes of setting up future things or or paying off past things or whatever more uh maybe more of the time than it feels like it's actually telling its own uh story. Um but I guess what I want to talk about is the horror element. Sam Raimi's made horror movies and I've seen this referred to as like Marvel's first horror movie. And I've been thinking more than I want to. It won't get out of my head. I've been thinking about that, about why I don't think this is a horror movie, despite it having a surprising number of and a surprising variety of horrific elements to it um both in terms of like there are visually horrific things there are sort of genre signifiers like you know zombie type stuff and 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 there's also like certain scenes have the 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 tone and the and the, and the pacing and, and the payoff of different kinds of um horror from like monster movie to slash movie to Uh, supernatural like ghost type of thing uh, poltergeist type of thing like there's so much there's so much of this in it that I started it's like say to myself like well then why don't you think it's a horror movie like if if it's if it simply comes down to what percentage of the movie is horror wouldn't shouldn't this movie qualify as a horror movie and I think it's I think that's that's not what makes it A horror movie or not the the issue really here is that the marvel formula is so entrenched and so established that it cannot be resisted so no matter how much that's ultimately why i don't think it's a horror movie it's it's still a marvel superhero movie with horror elements um because a marvel superhero movie cannot be anything other than a marvel superhero movie at its core because Uh, kevin feige has such a strong grip on 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 the franchise um and so the movie is yeah it's 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 muddled and and um uh it's it's confusing sometimes um and uh the last thing i want to talk about here's the thing i'm so out of out of touch i guess with like the Marvel like MCU like news and stuff that I'm not a hundred percent clear all the time on what is and isn't a spoiler. It's like I know because I went and watched the trailers. I know everyone knows that Wanda Maximoff, aka the Scarlet Witch, is in this movie. I don't know how much is known by people who haven't seen it about the nature of her part. So I have like major complaints um like philosophical complaints <laughs> about uh the the her character's arc uh, in the movie that I think I might just save for another discussion sometime because I don't really want to give a, a a spoiler warning here um but uh, uh I imagine I also imagine that it will become part of the discourse. There will be Twitter discussions about the way her character is used because there have been other female characters in recent genre entertainment that have been used in similar ways. And that has caused discussions. So, uh, I feel like I'm being so ugh beating around the, the, the bush, but I also am, I don't care about spoilers for myself, but I know that people do. So I don't want to, uh, uh, discuss it but i I just think it felt like a cheap way to use the character okay final movie um just last night i watched a new movie called montana story uh it stars owen teague and one of my favorite working actors haley le richardson uh directed by scott mcgee and david siegel and uh, it's uh, not just a clever title. It takes place in Montana. Uh, Owen Teague and Haley Richardson play estranged siblings who have reunited uh, upon the occasion of their father's uh, impending death. Um, the, I, don't even, I didn't even look up the actor who plays the father because he doesn't have any lines. He is comatose and on a respirator the in, in entire uh, movie. But, um, yeah, I can't find it now. Um, but it's really about these two siblings coming back together and this sort of, like, the learning about the rift that uh, uh, caused them to become estranged and how their father plays into that very heavily. Uh, but, um, it, it, so in some ways, it sounds like what I'm describing is, I don't know familiar or or trite um but there's something there's something undeniably true and honest about this movie and like it really feels i don't know anything about mcgee and 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 Siegel, um who uh also co-wrote the the um uh screenplay well they wrote the screenplay together with a story credit by another guy um but there's, th- there's something about the movie's uh, feelings about what what siblings are to each other and what siblings owe to each other, and also feelings specifically about Montana. Again, not just a clever title. The movie is... Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say Montana is a character in the movie because I hate that sort of thing. But um, the fact that these characters are from uh and one of them still lives in no I th- I think actually mo- both of them have left Montana uh and, and they come back. Um but the fact that they're from Montana and the movie takes place in Montana is clearly a big part of its i identity. And there's you know a monologue about the big sky thing and and uh um what that what that means to, to people who are who are from there or who who live there. Um so it's it's one of those movies that uh I've said before, and I feel like I'm using this word a lot this episode, but I've said before, the number one thing I am looking for in a movie is honesty. I want to believe that the people who are making this movie believe in what they're doing. And that they're not doing it because they think someone else will like it. They're not putting things in the movie because uh, oh, this will get butts and seeds or or they'll eat this up you know or or, or like another way if there are lots of other non-honest reasons to put things in movie like oh this will be cool or oh, this will like or, or really they'll think they're this is cool if you think it's cool then that's being honest but uh it's like oh the audience will think this is cool or, or this will if you're if you're reverse engineering something that's what's dishonest and so there's a there's a movie to be made with this exact storyline that is hokey um and 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 obvious um and and condescending but there's something so so real and beautiful about Montana's story that uh uh it really impressed me um and finally, of course I'll and uh and by saying that I again listeners long-time listeners of this podcast know I think Haley Richardson is a uh, a boon to every movie that she's in. Um she's a fantastic presence, fantastic actor. Uh and, and that goes a, a long way. I will say, as much as it pains me to criticize anything about Ms. Richardson, um listeners might know one of my hangups is when a <laughs> when someone in a movie Smokes a cigarette, and it's clearly the actor has no idea how to smoke a cigarette. And yeah, Haley Richardson smokes a cigarette, and she does the like stiff fingers thing. Like she's clearly like afraid of the fact that she's holding like a <laughs> smoldering ember in her in her hand. Uh, that's just, I, I wish if there are if I could like freelance teaching workshops <laughs> on how to pretend smoke a cigarette. Uh, I, I think I could, I could make a tidy sum doing that. If anyone knows how I could, where I should hang out my shingle to do that sort of thing. Uh, let me know, uh, uh David, at dot